Pastor Len Andrews from the Well Ministries with today's study, Genesis chapter 47, the Millennium. We continue the series in the book of Genesis 47, starting in verse 7. Genesis chapter 47 and verse 7. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, a time that you have given us, Lord, to gather together in your name. Lord, that as we've come together, Lord, that we are going to study your word. Father, as we open our Bibles, and Lord, we just come tonight, Lord, we come receiving with receptive hearts. We want to receive from you tonight. Heavenly Father, as your word goes out, let it penetrate down to in our very core. Heavenly Father, tonight we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to your truth. Rain down upon us your divine wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and give us discernment as we speak on your word. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth and your word is life. All these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 47, and we're going to start reading in verse 7. Genesis chapter 47 and verse 7. Genesis 47 and 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. Verse 11. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread, according to the number in their families. Now, there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, for the grain which they brought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then Joseph said, Give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies, and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread. 
and we in our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Then Joseph brought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field, because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities, from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priest he did not buy, for the priest had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate the rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have brought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. Okay? So, stop right there, and let's go back to verse 7. There is so much that is here, and uh, as we break it down uh, through the verses, we want to pay attention to what the Word of God is saying, because it's very rich as to what the Word is saying. Now go with me to verse 7, and let's go verse by verse down this. It says this, Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now remember, at the beginning of his life, he was one who took. He was one who usurped. He was one who was a heel holder, who wasn't very honest at the beginning of his life. Jacob was one that was all for himself. And he always looked at what he could get. But now before Pharaoh, and all these years have gone by, he is not the same Jacob, he is Israel. He is one who has matured. He is one who has changed. He is one who is fully for his God. And he has been transformed by God himself. And the Bible says, Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How many of you remember that James says this? James says, The fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? So you can understand this, that if you have a man or a woman of God who is righteous in the sight of God praying for you, things happen, right? And I'm telling you something right now, that Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Who was the one who really was behind Jacob? It was God, wasn't it? And I can tell you right now that when Jacob blessed Pharaoh, it was as though God is blessing Pharaoh. 
And we know that this is true. We know that the word declares it, right? What does it say? Well, what does it say? Verse 24. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your household and as foods for your little one. You see that? You shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh was blessed, was he not? Why was he blessed? Was it because of him being Pharaoh? No. The only reason why he was blessed is we just read it. What did it say? Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And in saying that, we could rightfully say God blessed Pharaoh. What was the pattern that Joseph had? Wherever he went, what happened? Blessing followed him, didn't it? It said that because he was in Potiphar's house, everything that he did for Potiphar prospered. Right? And when he went to jail, even in that dungeon, he was blessed. And the, the, the keeper of that jail saw how blessed he was. He put Joseph in charge of everything. And when Pharaoh eventually heard that he interpreted his dreams, he saw how blessed he was, and he said, How shall we make anybody but this man who has the Spirit of God in him? We're going to put him over the whole entire realm. That's exactly what he did. And so because Jacob blessed him, God was blessing him also indeed. Now, when you look at this, it wasn't just because of Jacob, but it also went all the way back to Abraham. What did God say to Abraham? He said this. He said, those who bless you, I will what? I will bless. And he said, those who curse you, I will Curse, that's right. So it went not just from Jacob, but it went all the way back to Abraham. And because of that, here was Pharaoh. He was blessed because of it. Because he decided to bless not only Joseph, but Jacob his father and all of his brothers and all of their families. What did he bless them with? He blessed them with land, did he not? He blessed them with Goshen. Yep, he sure did. And because of that, God indeed was going to bless him back. And that's exactly what he did. Because we go on to read in verse 26, And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth. Pharaoh indeed was blessed. Now notice something. Pharaoh collected one-fifth, and that was a tax. I bet many of you here today wish that it could be just like that, right? One-fifth, 20%. But today, some give so much more. But that's what it was back in that day. One-fifth, 20% of all that they received, whether it was from produce, from the land, whatever it might have been, they were to give one-fifth, 20%. Okay, that's the way that it was back then. Let's go on. Verses 8 through 10. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and he went out from before Pharaoh. Now, one thing that we can rightfully say is that when he found out that Joseph was dead, or at least he thought he was dead, 
we can rightfully say that a big piece of him died also, did it not? And we are only understanding that at the end, the latter part of his life, when he hears of Joseph, something happened. Verse 27 of Genesis 45, But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you he came back to life, right? In order for you to come back to life, that means that you were what? That you were dead. And in his life, a certain area of his life was dead. And do you know that that's what God does? He brings to life the dead. And I'm going to tell you something. Do you know that the older and older you get, you got to be careful? Because you could very easily get into a mode where you just succumb and you just give up on life. But we shouldn't do that. Do you know why? Do you know that those that were in the Bible, that a lot of them, they just had such strength in the latter part of their life? And, I, and I'm telling you something right now. It's all a matter of our, our work and the way that we are in our lives if we're productive. And let me tell you something right now. Many are told today that are older, you know, just relax, just take it easy. But I find something very important in the Bible that is going to help me and guide me as I get older. Let's look at a few of them, okay, just to give you an understanding of this. Many of you might say, well, you know, I'm young. I don't have to worry about that. But listen, one day you will. One day you're going to have to worry about this, okay? First one is taken out of Joshua chapter 14. And this is going to help us. Joshua chapter 14, and I want to start reading in verse 6. And this is what it says. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. Now, let me stop right here and let me just tell you what's going on here. The Bible here says that the children of Israel have entered into the good land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and they are given their lots where they are to live. And now, all of a sudden, one of those men who were the 12 spies who were to spy out the land of Canaan when they refused to go in, one of them was Caleb. The other one was Joshua. And the Bible says that Caleb and Joshua said, we are able to take this land. God is with us. Let's go and take it. But yet the other 10 spies said, no, we are not able. There's giants in that land. And so they made God look small. But yet Caleb and Joshua didn't waver in their faith. They believed that with God they could do anything. And they could conquer the land even if it was permeated with giants. They believed that they could do it. Well, we know what happened. They didn't go into the good land. And they ended up walking the wilderness till all that generation died who was 20 years and older. And the Bible says that now all of a sudden they come into the good land and this is what happens. Verse 6, the latter part of that verse and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me, in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden, 
shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong on that day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Isn't that fabulous? Well, what did he do? Do you know that when you have a purpose in life, do you know that they have a tendency who have a purpose to live longer? When you are productive in your life, you have a tendency of living longer. Caleb was a man who followed after God, and he had a purpose. His purpose was God. And you know who else was like that? Moses was. Let me show you. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. I want to start there. But let me tell you that Moses is about ready to die. And in the latter part of his life, this is what it says, as he has died. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Verse 7, pay attention. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. You see that? Whenever you have a purpose in life, you will live a long age. What does the Lord say to those who follow him, to those who are righteous, to those who love him? He says this, with long life, I will satisfy you. When you have a purpose and it's God's purpose, with long life, he will satisfy you. I always wondered about my grandma and she will be 91 this year. She has attained a long life. And do you know what I find? That she has a purpose. She is always cooking. She is always doing something like her crafts, her blankets. And she always has a purpose. And when she does, you know what? She has meaning in life. And she has lived a long time on this earth. Always remember that. Because one thing about these men and the women of God that I will find out or that I'm finding out in my own life is that when they have a purpose, and that purpose is God, they live a long life on this earth. So let's go back. Verses 11 and 12. Very self-explanatory verses, but it says this. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt and the best of the land in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all of his father's household with bread, according to the number in their families. Okay? Now, I'm going to stay right there, and this is self-explanatory. It's saying that he gave them a possession in the land of Egypt and the best of the land. He gave them that portion. Okay? Pharaoh had commanded it. And we know that because Pharaoh blessed them, God in turn blessed Pharaoh. Then it says this, Then Joseph provided his father, his brother, and all his father's household with bread, according to the number in their family. So God provided for the whole entire households. Okay? 
Let's go forward. Now, verses 13 all the way down. I want you to pay attention, and I'm going to read these again. That way we can get an understanding of what all this means, okay? Verse 13. Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, for the grain which they brought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then Joseph said, Give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock, if the money is gone. Verse 17. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Verse 20, then Joseph brought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priest he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate the rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their lands. Okay? Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed I have brought you in your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land, and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. Okay, so now we understand this. We understand that all of these things were transpiring for a reason. And God gives us the understanding of this. Because you might get confused in reading all this. Why does Joseph have to deal with all these things? And if it's in the Bible, then there must be a meaning because God in his word always gives us meaning, right? Okay, so when we look at this, we are reading these chapters, and the message is titled Genesis 47, the Millennium. Okay? Now, as I told you, God is going to reveal himself to his brethren, the Israelites. Okay? And then what happens after that when God comes back that second time? We know that as he comes back, he's going to judge the nations, and then it says he will separate 
all of them uh, sheep from goats, and the goats will go into everlasting fire. And then it says that those who are the sheep will go into the millennium. Okay, now this is a picture that God is giving us. So pay attention. And this is what it says. Joseph was a type of Christ reigning in his kingdom during the millennium. If we take note of the prophecy in the story of Joseph, we're going to see that his story is a picture of Christ's reign in the millennial kingdom. Now, first, you have to ask the question to yourselves, when their money was used up, why didn't Joseph just give the grain for free to the people? Now, that's a right question, isn't it? Because he demanded payment in one way or another. So wouldn't that be the right thing to do? Did you guys ever ponder that? I know I did. Why didn't he just give the grain for free? But he told them, no, I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want this. Our concept, as far as the way we think, the right thing to do would have been for him to just give up the grain to all the people for free, right? When we read Genesis 47, we can think that Joseph was not generous. It seems that he squeezed everything out of the people. We can praise the Lord, though, for showing us why Joseph was not generous. The reason is that the life supply should not be sold cheaply. If anyone in the church is willing to give away the life supply in a cheap way, we should question whether the supply he has is genuine. The genuine life supply is never sold cheaply. Do you understand that? It isn't. You know why? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, You don't belong to yourself, for you were brought with what? A high price. That was Christ's life. I don't know about you, do you think of his life cheaply? I know I sure don't. We were brought at a high price, the highest price ever. So, how do we look at this? Well, we shouldn't come to this conclusion by our own fleshly understanding. Rather, we should understand from what the Scripture shows us how to interpret this. Joseph collected everything from the people. And when he did, he was the only lender, landlord, and shepherd in all the land. When Christ rules during the millennium, he will rule everything on the earth. And he will be the only lender, landlord, and shepherd. You understand that? Joseph is a type of Christ. There are four things listed that Joseph collected from the people that they needed to give to him in order to gain the life supply. If you're ready, write these down. Number one was money. Number two was the livestock. Number three was the land. And number four, they gave themselves when they had nothing else to give. Let me read those again. Number one, when they wanted the life supply, the grain, they gave all their money. Number two, they gave their livestock. Number three, they gave their lands. And number four, they eventually gave themselves. Okay, so let's take these one by one to get an understanding of what all this means because this is very important. Number one was money. When the people gave up their money, they gave up their security. How many of you know that money is security for us? Do you know that the more that you have in the bank, the better you feel, right? I think we all can say that. I think naturally, we all feel better when we have a surplus in the bank. We feel good about it, right? 
Well, the people, they gave up their money, and guess what? They gave up their security. Genesis 47 and 14 says, And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, for the grain which they brought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Now let me ask you a question. It says, Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in Egypt and in Canaan. What is left out of all? Nothing. That means everything that was in those lands, Canaan or Egypt, any bit of money that was found was given to Joseph. There was none aside from what Joseph had. If people wanted that life supply, they gave up their money. And when they did, they gave up their security. When the people gave up their money, they had to completely trust Joseph and depend on him for their daily need. You see that? When the people gave up their money, they had to completely trust Joseph and depend on him for their daily need or their daily bread. Are you following me so far? Okay, let's go forward. Number two, they gave up their livestock. LSM commentary notes this. Very good. The second item the people had to pay for the food supply was their cattle. It is easy to understand what is signified by cattle. Cattle signifies the means of our living. Joseph's brothers were concerned about their donkeys, worried that Joseph would find some excuse to take them away. You remember when they were afraid? They were afraid that he was going to take them. And so they were coming up with all kinds of excuses to tell him. Today you may care very much about your automobile. Perhaps you are afraid that it will be stolen. If so, your automobile is your donkey. For those with a doctoral degree, their degree is their donkey. For others, their position is their donkey. But Christ, the rich one, the supplier, is here, and he is neither generous nor stingy. Although he does not want to squeeze anything out of you, for your sake he requires that you pay a price. He will never sell a supply cheaply. And after you pay your money, you will need to pay with your cattle. Only by handing over the cattle will you receive the second supply. When both our money and our cattle have been handed over to him, we shall be restful and at peace. Okay? So when we understand that, we understand that these all have meanings. So let's go to the third one. The third one is they gave up their land. The land represents the people's resources and their inheritances. When they gave these possessions up, they demonstrated their willingness to receive the life supply so that they may live. Let me say that one more time. The land represents the people's resources and their inheritances. When they gave these possessions up, they demonstrated their willingness to receive the life supply so that they may live. Fourthly, they gave up themselves. The last item Joseph required was servanthood. The people had nothing left, so they offered themselves to Joseph. Verse 18 and 19, they say, it says this, There is nothing left. These are the people talking to Joseph. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. So they sold themselves as servants. So when you look at this, how then does this apply to us as Christians? Very simply put, the Bible says we are to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Let me tell you something. Everything that you have is not your own if you are a true Christian. 
you have to be willing to give everything up. Your money, it's not your money, it's Christ's money. Your livestock or your living is not yours, it is Christ's. Your land, your resources, your inheritance is not yours, it's Christ's. And you know what? He wants to gain you as a servant. Why do you think the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, Jude, all of them, when they introduce themselves to the reader, you will find them saying, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You understand what he's saying there? Here a bondservant was one who willfully gave himself into service for his master, and he was a servant for life. That's what God wants us to be. God wants us to be willing to give everything up for his sake. And when we look at this, this is very important. It's very important because how many of you are really willing to give up your money? I mean, you know, you might say, you know, the, well, I'll give the Lord whatever I have in my pocket, and you might have 50 cents or whatever it might be, you know, but are you willing to give it up to Him? The person that really can give to the Lord is one that you, is, you know is really out for God and God's purposes. Why? Because money has a way of attaching itself to us. And when you're willing to give it, it shows how much you love God and you want to be God's. Because money can be a God in people's lives. Our living, our living, those things that we depend on, you know, uh, kind of like what he was talking about, those things in your life that you really make a big deal about. For some people, have you ever seen the people that when they get a car, they put the rims on it, they put that, for, for some cars, that big tail in the back, and they just make it like their, their prized possession. For some people, it might be their house, right? They, they, they get uh, uh, beautiful wood flooring and marble and all this. You know, and to them, that, that might be their living. That's their prized possession. But we got to be willing to give all these things up for the Lord. You will notice that in the book of Acts, what did they all have in common that really loved the Lord? It says that they were all willing to sell all their possessions and go and sell them and take the money and they laid it at the apostles' feet. Now that's, you know, God, unless God really directs you to do something drastic like that, I, I, don't, don't say that I'm telling you to go and sell everything you have. No, that's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm telling you is, do you have a heart to be willing to give everything up for the Lord? If God was to tell you, for you single people, let's say God was to tell you, I want you to go and I want you to leave all your possessions behind and I want you to go and I want you to minister in this other state. Would you be willing to do that for the Lord? For you that are married, what if God told uh, some of you men and women and confirmed it through your wives? I want you to go and I want you to serve me in, let's say, Washington. Would you be willing to give everything up for his sake and do that? You see, these things cannot have a hold over us. Because when you tell people, you know, when God speaks to people and he tells them, I want you to do this for me, a lot of times they will tell it to somebody and the, the natural reaction would be, but you got your family here. You're moved here. You're settled here. 
And in our naturalness, we can try to work it out in our mind, but what if God really did want you to do these things? Would you be willing to give your life up and to do that for Christ? we got to be willing to do His will and not our own. Our possessions should not possess us, but we should possess them and do what God wants us to with them. Our land, our resources, our inheritance, all of that is vitally important. You will notice that when Abraham left, God told him, I want you to go to this place. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything that you have, and I want you to go to a place where I am going to guide you to. He was willing to leave everything. The house that he was going to inherit, his inheritance, everything, he left it all behind. And he was willing to go and he was willing to give it up. Jesus, our master, our king, he himself said, even though he was the oldest and he deserved the oldest portion, he in one commentary said this, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have any possession. He was willing to give everything up for the father. Are you yourself willing to do just that? And what about being a servant? Can you be a servant? Can you really, truly be a servant? I know, you know, that many of us here today, we love to be served. We love to have people give us things. We love to be blessed. We love to have, you know, these wonderful things all coming to us. But really, when was the last time you served somebody? Without no motive, with not expecting anything in return, when was the last time you served somebody? Jesus gave, gave us the prime example. He was willing to wash feet, even though that was meant for a servant to do. He was willing to get down on his knees. He was willing to wash those disciples' feet. And he gave us a pattern, every single one of us, that we were to be servants of God. And yet we look at it today, we don't like going near homeless people. When people look suspicious, but yet we don't know the very fact that they have fallen on hard times and they're just this loving person, but the way that they look, it doesn't please us. And because of that, we cannot serve them. When was the last time you served somebody? When was the last time you did for somebody without expecting anything in return? Do you have the heart of a servant? Do you have the heart to do what God has called you to do? If so, you are fulfilling what he wants for each and every one of us. we got to be willing to do for the Lord. And God requires so much from us because He has given so much to us. And are we willing to do that? We look at this here. I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 47. And I want you to see something very important. And then I'm going to end here for tonight. This is what it says. Uh, in verse... 23. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have brought you in your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. Pay attention to the latter part of verse 23. Indeed, I have brought you in your land 
And here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. Do you know that when we give our all to the Lord, God gives us that life supply. Now for them, it was the wheat. But for us today, the life supply is God himself, his word. He gives that to us. And I cannot just tell you this enough times. We've got to be getting the seed out. We've got to be giving it to people. We've got to be telling them about the Lord. We've got to be teaching them His ways. Because so many of you out there that are not speaking on behalf of God, you're hoping that your life will show them Christ. And we want that, but you're not opening your mouth and declaring the Lord. You're not telling them that they might be on their way to hell if they don't turn, or if, they don't, if they're not for the Lord, that they will go to hell. We've got to be very, very open in speaking the word of God to people because God gives us the life supply and we in turn are supposed to spread that seed. Here God gave them not only bread, but he gave them grain as seed to go and plant. That way their field would produce a harvest. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. Not only are we getting the life supply, the word within us, but we are called to go and spread that word to others. That way God may receive a harvest unto himself. But are we diligent about it? Are we diligent about giving the seed to others? Tonight, I hope this really makes us think about what God is doing in our lives. There's coming a day that when you look at this, and, and, and all these are, are given for us, like what they had to give up in order to really get that life supply. They had to give all these things up, and they're really in no particular order, but God will require that from every single one of us, that we give these things up for Him, that He may truly rule and reign, and the Holy Spirit may rule our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for tonight. Thank you for your word to us, Lord, and, and for just really giving us the word of life. We ask tonight, Lord, that as we receive your word, Father, we not only be hearers, but be doers and live out your word in a practical way. Father, tonight we pray, Lord, that we would give our lives and everything that we possess and own to you. Let us always remember and never forget that you are the one who rules everything. Your word declares to us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Help us to remember, Lord, that everything we have is not ours, but it's yours. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are interested in visiting the Wild Ministries, we are located at 5700 South Country Club Way, Tempe, Arizona, 85283. Our Sunday service begins at 10 a.m. and ends at 12 noon. Our Bible study services are on Wednesdays beginning at 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. For families with children, the Wild Ministries has classes available for children 6 months to 17 years old. If you have any questions, you can contact the senior pastor, Len Andrews, at 602-460-2195. Or the associate pastor, Ryan Reed, at 602-434-4073. Come drink at the well. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. Goodbye, and God bless.